0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So before we get started, uh, I want to first of all thank everybody who came yesterday for the workday to get everything ready so we could be in this room uh, today. So thank you very much. And particularly, uh, the group of guys that helped me when we were putting that sign up there. That took us like... All day long. Um, actually, it probably took me all week long. And, uh, and actually, Dave McMurtry was telling everybody. So, if you don't like the sermon tomorrow, at least admire the sign because I probably put more time over there than I did on this. But um, we are wrapping up this series. We're called "Love Rules," and it's all about the rule of love in our lives and learning to live. By the rules of love, and it's been based on 1 Corinthians thirteen, which is probably the most well-known of all passages um, that has to do with love. And um, one of the things about this is it's real easy to to think of love in the abstract, um, but it's much more difficult to think of it in reality of everyday life. And so through this whole series, what we've been trying to do is make the application in everyday life, because it's a lot easier to say, "Yeah, love is patient, and love is kind." It's a whole different thing to say, I am patient and kind. Because it's it's easy to think we gather together, we sing songs of God's love for us and our love for God, and to think it's all good. But all throughout Scripture, the Bible makes it completely clear that our relationship with God is pretty much measured and determined by our relationship with the people around us. And you can go and worship and walk out of here and say, oh, I'm so close to God, I love God. But if you are not caring for and loving the people around you, You haven't gotten it yet. It's over and over. It's all through Scripture. Jesus said it is the greatest commandment. uh, We'll put it up here. The greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. But he doesn't stop there. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's the vertical along with the horizontal. And you can't think that everything's good vertically if things are not good horizontally in the relationships with the people around you. Jesus said it this way. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. (coughs) The apostle John wrote about it in his first letter. He said, "If if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? See, over and over and over again, we are reminded our relationship with God is so intertwined with our relationship with other people. And if your relationships with other people are not good, then don't think your relationship with God is doing all that well either. They're tied together intricately. And so that's why for the last five weeks, we've been spending some time talking about love rules. Um, And to do it in a way that's not in the abstract, but is in the reality of everyday life and everyday relationships. And it's all about what we've said the last number of years, that our goal is as a church to change the way people view the church. Because most people outside the church don't put the words love and church together. And it's our calling to change that. And the way that we do it is by learning how to love. And it's our intention through this whole series that we would become not just a community of faith, but a community of love. So we're going to wrap it up today with the last statements that Paul makes about it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you want to follow along. I've been reading it every week. You should have it memorized by now. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In those last two sentences, in essence, what he's doing is he is summarizing everything that he has said up to now about love. In those f- last four statements, what he is saying, that love is, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. He's saying love is meant to last. Love is enduring, and love never fails. Always, 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 always never fails. It is meant to be not just for this life, but into eternity. And so what, we're gonna, what it comes down to, really, in my mind, is the choices that we make. If we're going to think of love, not in the abstract, but in the choices of everyday life, I think there's four critical choices that are pointed out here that really come down to how we build a love that lasts. So here's the first one. I think the first choice we make is to choose to shield rather than to expose your faults. Paul says, love always protects. The King James Version says, love bears all things. That's a very interesting word. And it's a word that has all kinds of different levels of meaning to it. And so um, literally, what the word there means literally is to shelter, to cover. Like a roof covers a home. You wouldn't want to live in a home that has nice walls, but no roof. Because it's the roof that really protects you. You need that covering to have that shelter. Um, My brother-in-law my sister and brother-in-law did a remodel on their house a number of years ago now and um and it was one of those weekend many 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 weekend projects um weekend after weekend so i was helping him a couple of others of us were helping him and um one weekend we had torn the roof off um and then the next weekend we were planning to you know put it back on but right in the middle the week between when when the roof was torn off and between when it went back on that week unexpectedly a storm came through And so at three in the morning, we are up on his roof laying out plastic with the wind blowing, soaking wet, trying to do everything because if we don't get the roof covered, everything underneath it gets destroyed. When he says love protects, it's it's this idea of shielding and protecting and covering. And one of the ways that we do that simply is keeping our mouth shut. Sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is just keep quiet. You don't need to talk about other people you don't need to expose them to to disgrace and and embarrassment and humiliation it's kind of the idea that you see joseph and mary when joseph found out that mary was pregnant and he knew he wasn't the father he decided to to divorce her but he said he, he decided to divorce her quietly and not expose her to the shame and humiliation that's love it's a protective love It says, I'm not going to expose all of your weaknesses and your faults. And that's how you do it outside the relationship. What you do within the relationship is you simply cut each other slack. Give each other a break. I know when we were first married, um, my wife and I, we dated for about five years before we got married. And I thought I knew her and she thought she knew me. But all of a sudden, we're living together and every little thing was an annoyance Every little thing was an irritation and all these things. And when we were first married, we felt like we had to work all of these things out. You know, we had back at each other, back and forth, back and forth. After 40 years of marriage, we decided, you know, there's a lot of things you can just let slide. <laughs> it took us 40 years to figure that out. But, but that's, that's what love is. You give each other a break. You give each other slack. It, it's, it's that bearing with one another. Um, that's uh, New Jerusalem Bible puts it this way. Love is always ready to make allowances. That not every fault requires a confrontation. Not every mistake needs to be a big issue. You just choose to let it slide. Ephesians 4.2 puts it this way. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Grace is the roof that covers the relationship with love. Why? Because no one's perfect. None of us are perfect. Romans 3.10 says this, there is no one who always does what is right. And in case you don't know what no one means, he says not even one. This might surprise you, but every person in your life, every relationship that you have is with someone who is a sinner. Yeah, I know, big shock, right? Here's the other side of it. So are you. And love gives gives each other a break. Unless exactly, we choose not to expose, but rather to cover and shield the faults and failures of each other. Second critical decision, that I choose trust over suspicion. Paul says love always trusts. Love is built, in fact, every relationship that you have is built on trust. Trust is the foundation, it's the bedrock of any relationship that you have. It is absolutely necessary. Whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's a, a coworker, whether it's your BFF, whatever it might be, it is always based on trust. God's Word translation puts it this way, love never stops believing. A little piece of trivia here, that journey song, Don't Stop Believing, it's based right on that verse. No, I just made that up. <laughs> Some of you are so gullible. Um, And actually, sometimes you think um, that, well, trusting, isn't that just being gullible? No, it's not. See, being gullible is is willing to accept anything, to be taken in by anything, to believe anybody in anything. The opposite of that would be to be a cynic that is skeptical and doubtful and looks at everything with suspicion and everyone with suspicion. In between those two is the kind of trusting love that Paul's talking about. See, love recognizes the faults of the other person. Love recognizes the potential problems in the relationship but chooses to take the risk because love is risky. And you might think being trusting leaves you open to being gullible, but that really is not the case. There's a a psychologist, Dr. Julian Rotter, uh, from University of Connecticut. Um, This was published not too long ago in um, Psychology Today. And, And he actually spent years doing a study on trustworthiness in people and trusting in people and how it affects their lives and how it affects their relationship and he kind of developed a scale for people in answering questions that determine how trusting a person was whether they were overly trusting or underly trusting and what he found was when he looked at the lives of those who were trusting people it was actually just the opposite of what you might think here are some of the results they found um, that trusting people are more likely to give others a second chance People who trust are less likely to lie and are less likely to cheat or to steal. Those who trust tend to respect the rights of others. And what is most contrary to the expectations of some, he did not find that high trusters were more gullible than low trusters. In fact, persons who were inclined to be trusting less likely to be unhappy, conflicted, or maladjusted. And the man or woman who is basically trusting is liked more and sought out more often as a friend that it's actually better to be trusting. Suspicion undermines a relationship, destroys love. Trust is what strengthens them. Trust is simply giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. It is a willingness to believe for as long as you can possibly keep believing in somebody. And what happens is, is when you trust and when you believe in somebody, it brings out the best in them. See this in the life and the ministry of Jesus, he grabbed together 12 ragtag disciples, put them all together and believed in him so much that for three years he poured his life into them and he believed in them. And he said things to someone like Peter who was hot and cold and running wild all over the place he said, you're a rock and he didn't look like a rock. And and every one of them, he saw something in them. And because he believed in them and empowered them, they changed the world. He did it with them, and he does it with each and every one of us. 1 John 3 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. But it doesn't stop there. We're called children of God. But then he goes on, he says, and that is what we are. Because of the love of God, he's called us something that we really don't deserve to be called. And yet, by calling us that, he makes us that. That's what love does. It is the choice. Third choice, to make love that lasts forever. I choose to look toward the future rather than dwell on the past. Love always hopes. See, hope is always forward-looking. Hope is always about the future. It's... We talked about it a couple of weeks ago where he said that love keeps no record of wrongs. And some of us have, have a file, a file folder on our mental hard drive that is filled with every wrong that everybody ever committed against us. You say, no, no, you gotta delete that file. It doesn't exist. Because hope and love always looks forward. Retaliation, regret, Punishment, guilt, and shame, those are all about the past. Love, grace, and hope, they're all about the future. And that's what he has called us to. And not only does it believe the best about somebody, but it actually expects the best out of them. See, it's only when we're really apathetic or no longer care about someone that we'll say things like, well, they're just a hopeless case. When we're loving, we always see the hope of change. Jesus told the parable about that. It's probably one of, the, one of his best-known parables, the story of the prodigal son, where there's a, a son who, who chooses to divorce himself from his family. He takes his share of the inheritance. He goes off and squanders it all. And, and he finds himself at a point in his life where he is at the rock bottom. He, he is, he's gotten a job feeding pigs, which is the lowest you can get If you're Hebrew, if you're Jewish, that is like the lowest you could possibly get. And and he has nothing to eat except the the food that he's feeding the pigs. And it says one day he comes to his sentence and he realizes, you know, my father treats his servants better than this guy's treating me. I could go back and work for my dad and at least be taken care of. And so he makes up this whole apology and this whole um, speech that he's got ready for his dad and he goes back to his dad and it says that when his father sees him From a long way off, this is what it says. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now what I want you to see is, it was while he was still a long way off, which means that the father was always looking down the road for his son's return. And with the the first sign of his son returning, he ran out to him. See, that's the hope of love. Love. It, it is that hope of love that keeps parents with a, a drug-addicted daughter or a wayward son continuing to keep the door open. That's what love does. It keeps the door open. And that's what the father did. And he, and he said to everyone around him, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. See, love is what keeps the door open for someone to return. It's the hope in in love that keeps the door open to a reconciliation of relationships. It is the kind of love that we are called to express to this world. And the last big choice is that I choose to hang tough instead of walking out. Paul goes on, love always perseveres. Or the New Living Translation puts it this way. Love endures through every circumstance. See, there are times in every relationship when you will feel like quitting. And there will be times in every relationship when you will say, this is just not worth it. This is way too hard. I'm getting, putting more into this relationship than I'm getting out of it. And it just, it's not worth it anymore and you want to walk away. It is love that keeps you standing just a little bit longer than you think you can. It is that love that opens that door for reconciliation. It is a combination of patience and courage, the ability to hang in there a little bit longer than you think you can by the strength of God. You don't do this on your own. It is God's kind of love, and it's the way that he expressed his love to us on the cross. Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3 says this, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And then he goes on saying, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's a divine love. That's a supernatural love. That is the love of God. That he took upon himself our guilt, our shame, our punishment, not because he got anything out of it, but because we needed it. That is the love that we've been talking about for the last five weeks. It is the love that we've been called to do. Now, sometimes you're going to ask yourself, is it really worth it? I mean, if, if, if I really, all those things we talked about last time, if I really do that stuff, man, that's, just going to, that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for failure because I'm going to be taken advantage of. I'm going to be a doormat. Everybody's going to walk over me. If I really live that way, if I really love that way, I'm going to end up on the short end of the stick every single time. That, that, that can't possibly be worth it. We need to be reminded of what Paul says when he finishes this. Love never fails. See, on the cross, it looked like love had lost. On the cross, as Jesus is crucified, put to death, then buried in this tomb, for all intents and purposes, by every, every, everything that you could see, it looked like love lost. Love failed. Love, if that's what love is, that's where it gets you. Who needs it? And yet three days later... He rose from the grave. He proved once again, love never fails. Love never loses. Love always wins. And yes, you may not see the win for a long time. You may not see the win ever in your lifetime. But the one thing that we know from Scripture and what the thing that we see over and over again throughout Scripture and see most clearly in what Christ did for us on the cross is that love never fails, it always wins. And that is worth the risk. Would you bow your heads with me? There is a tremendous power in love. It is the power to protect, the power to trust, power to hope, the power to persevere, to endure. It's a powerful thing and there might be a relationship in your life right now where someone needs protection they need the love that protects that there would be a place of healing for that person in you and in your relationship it might be believing in someone when their track record doesn't deserve it but in love you could say I'll take the risk it might be keeping the door of a relationship open in the hope in the hope of a return. Or it might simply be hanging in just a little bit longer when you feel like giving up on it all. If there's a relationship in your life that's facing one of those kinds of challenges, and today you want to make a choice. A choice to believe a choice to hang tough a choice to hope a choice to cover you're not going to do that in your own strength that's not a human kind of love it's going to take something more it's going to take the power of god at work in your life but if there's one of those kind of relationships for you that you could use some prayer about i would love to close today by praying for you. And I'm going to ask you to do like we do every week. If just that describes you in any way and we can pray for you as we close, I'm just going to ask you to just raise a hand, hold it up, and and when you do, catch my eye too because I want you to know I'm praying with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Lord, here we are in our own weaknesses, and our own struggles, our own imperfections. Those of us who have raised hands are saying there's a relationship in our life that is putting the demands on us that we can't meet on our own strength. And whatever that might be, I pray, God, that your strength would empower them, that your example of such a grace-filled, unending, unconditional love would be a model and a source of strength that they might be able to love in return. But just raising our hands, we've admitted this is beyond us. We need your help. Would you bring your power and your love to bear in Jesus' name? Now, maybe you're here and you don't know that love of God. Here's what you need to know. He loves you unconditionally. So much so, He gave His life for you on a cross so that you could be reconciled and restored into that relationship and live with Him. And and you can make that a reality in your own life by a simple decision, a choice. to Just say, God, here I am with my faults, with my failures, with my sin, my mistakes. I can't fix it. And I can't undo it. But if you by your grace would forgive me and receive me, I will trust you and follow you. And if you've never made that decision before, but today you want to take that first step of faith, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment. Let me catch your eye and pray with you and lead you in a prayer as we close. Is there anybody? All right, yeah, all right. Anyone else? So I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer if you just raise your hand. Lord, here I am imperfect, full of faults, failures, mistakes, full of sin. I can't fix it. I can't undo it. I need your grace. Would you, because of what you did on the cross, bring that forgiveness to me? I'm putting my life in your hands and I'm going to trust you from this day forward. Show me, teach me how to live in that love as I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name.